When a business fails, the ricochet is felt way beyond the walls of the business. Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name is Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And right now I have a pretty heavy letter in my hand from a listener. What do you do when your spouse's business fails and crumbles before his very eyes? How do you help him manage the hurt, the guilt, the stress, the fears? How do you keep your marriage intact? How do you talk about it? There isn't exactly a rule book for this, is there? Here's the listener question. I'm just going to dive right in, and then I'll talk to you about it on the other side. Hi, Heather. I've been married to my husband for two and a half years, and we got married pretty quickly, a year to date from our first date. So altogether, we've been together for about three and a half years. When we met, we just clicked. It was like we were soulmates. My husband and I could talk for hours about everything. He was open and honest, and it was so refreshing to see that in a man. The first year was great. We had huge plans and so much enthusiasm and love. We both came into this relationship with a child from a previous relationship. Four months after our marriage, my husband lost his firm. His partner messed up, and my husband took the financial burden as the firm was his. We still haven't recovered, and all of our dreams have been shattered. We rent we can't afford dates or holidays. It's nothing like the first year of our relationship. My husband blames himself constantly, calling himself a failure, shutting himself away from me. We can't afford therapy, although we desperately need it. We have our own daughter, who's one and a half now, and I really don't want my two children going up without their fathers. I don't know how to help my husband. He doesn't smile. He's through and through unhappy, and I have a feeling he will leave soon. We argue because I feel emotionally cut off, and he won't allow anyone to help them. Is there any way to fix us? Yes, there is a way that this can be fixed. We can't build back that business the way it was, and we can't build back your husband the way he was. This experience is going to change him. It's going to change you. This is what happens when life happens, when business happens to a couple. I'd really like to invite you to have him listen into the response that I'm going to offer you on the other side of this break. I'm going to talk to both of you because this is something you're both going through. It happened to him, but it's affecting your family and it's affecting his child and your child and then the child you share together. So we've got this, you, me, and hopefully your husband. Stay tuned on the other side. You might want to buckle in for this one. I have a feeling my answer is going to be a little bit long-winded, and I certainly hope your husband's able to join you and listen in as I offer the two of you some starting steps, a solution, and a path towards healing. The first thing that you need to understand about failure is that it robs people of their sense of themselves, their story of what they're capable of, the life they thought they were going to have. It takes away a vision of the future that had already clearly been mapped out by the two of you. And that's what your husband's living with. But he's also living with the fact that it happened publicly. It happened to his business, so his business colleagues know it, any employees he had in the firm know about it, and it happened in front of the person he cares most about. It happened in front of you and your kids. And that is going to hit a man or a woman right where it counts, 
in the heart of the matter. It's no different for women when they manage failure. I think sometimes people seem to think that, you know, men sort of shut off, close down and wall off and women manage it differently. But I've sat through many women as they've lived with failure and it just guts them. Your husband is being gutted right now. In his mind, he likely feels like he's already hurt you, he's already embarrassed you, he's already robbed you of the future the two of you have planned, he can no longer offer you date nights, he feels inept, lost, insecure, and probably not only deeply embarrassed, but deeply shamed. And when we feel shame, that becomes the story of who we are, how we move through the world, and how we think and believe other people see us because it's how we see ourselves. You guys have been living with this since the beginning of your marriage. You didn't even get to have a honeymoon before this hit, and you're still managing the ricochet of it, and I'm sure you must feel lost. I don't know if he's thinking about leaving, but I can tell you that if he hasn't told you that, that's a story you're telling yourself because he could be thinking all kinds of things. He could be scared that you're going to leave him because he didn't make it, because he can't provide for you, because he made you promises he now can't keep. He has no idea now how to be the man you fell in love with, that you married, now that the foundation of his professional life has been rocked to the core. He's doubting himself. He's doubting his judgment. He's doubting decisions he's made. He's doubting himself. This isn't about you. It feels like it's about you because when someone is silent and they withdraw, we create all kinds of stories in the empty space. But right now, he cannot get out of his own way and you get to be affected by that. You get to be hurt by it. You get to be desolate by it, feel lonely inside the relationship and scared. And yes, there's going to have to be a way the two of you learn to talk about this, but it can't be with confrontational of emotional abandonment because all he hears in that moment is that he's failed you again. So the first thing I would really encourage you to do as the two of you prepare for a heavy, hard conversation I'm hoping your husband's listening to this. I hope he has now heard that you're afraid he's going to leave. And I hope that he's going to be able to answer for you whether or not that story you made for yourself is true. You may not get him to listen to the show. And at that point, the only person in this story we can control right now is what you do and how you respond. So I want you to think about individually for yourself or with your husband if he's there listening with you, how much gas do you have in the gas tank? Because this is going to take some work to redo and to do differently and to get on the same page. And you both may need a little bit of oxygen first. But do a gut check. Are you willing to fight just a little more for better clear communication and a clearer path. Before we go further, I want to be crystal clear that there is going to be time and room 
for you to set your needs and your boundaries in this conversation. I'm not starting there. And sometimes when someone's so heartbroken and so hurt, they all they hear is that they just want their needs met. But right now, you need to connect with your husband because he is incapable of connecting with you. And you can't come at him with a list of demands, hurts, and piled on feelings. There's going to be time for that. But right now, he's walling off and guarding off, maybe to protect you, maybe because he's in a pile of his own depression and remorse and guilt and shame, and he can't get out of his own way. I don't know your husband. I've sat with many men who have sat through failure, and I can tell you that I know there's all kinds of different reactions, but it's largely an internal process, and you can't come at it with conflict and demands. You have to come at it with curiosity. If the two of you are listening to this together, I'm really hoping he's nodding along. But as you think about it, I want you to think about how can you just be there? How can you let him know, honey, this happened about a year ago. I'm, I'm looking at your letter here and it says that you've been married for, um, actually you've been married for, to your husband for two and a half years. So you guys have been living with this for two years now. This happened early in your marriage and you're probably out of patience and you're probably out of hope. So I would start there. I would say to him transparently, honey, We've been living with this for two years, and the way we're managing it is not working for us. I want us to find a better way because what happens to you happens to me, and I'm in it with us. I'm so scared that you're walled off in a room by yourself thinking things that I can't even imagine and my worst story come to true, like, you know, my worst version of events is that you're thinking about leaving us and that would break my heart because you are not your business's failure and I still love you. You have to come through the wall a little bit. And my guess is you're yelling back at me right now and you're telling me, well, for crying out loud, Heather, I've been doing that. It's been two years. I've tried everything. I've tried begging. I've tried borrowing. I've tried pleading. I've tried letting him be. I've tried inviting him out. You have probably tried all the things, but this is the pathway for your fresh start because I want you to be clear and remember what I said, that this is happening to you. And you are going to get to decide your boundaries and your needs too. And the first thing before you set any more limits, before you set any more expectations, you are going to need to know internally for yourself that you've done your absolute best to open the doors of communication, to let him know what you want him to think. I still love you. I still care about you. I've been hurt by your distance. I'm longing for your presence in my life. I miss you. This is scaring me. I know we don't have a lot of financial resources for help, but I want to help us get through this. I want us to work together to learn how to live with this because this way of living with this is breaking us. We have a year and a half year old daughter who needs both of us. She needs you. I need you. And I need to know if you're willing to get better. See what I did there? 
I started with the empathic response. I started with the connection. It allows you, and if the two of you are sitting here together, you, he can confirm this, and or he can deny it and tell you what the accurate story is, but you're starting with compassion. You're telling him what you want him to think. And I'm not making this up. I just read it in your letter. You're telling him that you haven't given up on him or on the two of you or on your family, and you don't want him to give up either. But before you go to a list of demands, you have got to ask the big, scary question. Are you willing to work with me to fix this? That's an impossibly scary question. It's a terrifying question when you don't want the answer to be no. But you can't move any further in your relationship without him. You can connect with him. You can reach out to him. You can tell him you're there, that you want to help, that your kids love him, that everybody loves him, that you guys can get to the other side of this, that it's only money, that you can make more, he can rebuild, etc., etc. You can support him and love him, but your relationship cannot be repaired without his buy-in. He needs to be willing to want to try that. And the heartbreaking truth is he may be too beaten down, too embarrassed, too ashamed to think he's worthy of that. And you can't get him to find his worth again. All you can do is tell him, I love you. I find you worthy. I still believe in our future. I still see the man I loved. You are not your failure. I want us to get better. Because he doesn't, he can't sit in his own skin right now. He doesn't like himself. So he doesn't like how he's showing up as a husband. He doesn't like how he's showing up as a father. All he can think about is that the business he built failed. And now he has not decided yet how to get back up. At least that's the story I'm telling myself. Maybe the two of you have already tried a couple of rebuilding attempts and maybe he hasn't succeeded with those and he's still looking down the barrel of failure. But whatever it is, if you are going to repair your marriage, you cannot do it by yourself. So many women came to my therapy office for years and years, unhappy in their marriages, thinking that they could change the story of their relationship simply by changing themselves. If they said something different, if they acted different, if they didn't do this, if they didn't do that, and I have to be crystal clear with you that relationships involve two people and two people are involved in getting you out of the gutter. It is absolutely possible. What's happening right now is the two of you don't know how to talk about it. He doesn't know how to talk to you about it. All you can do is tell him what you want him to think. Ask him if it's okay to ask questions, get clarification, and make sure you really understand his experience. And then once you've done that, he has to make a decision. The two of you have been staring at a mess for two years now. Would he like to grab a mop and help you start cleaning it up? I hope, I hope, I hope the answer for you is yes. He might say yes, but how the hell do you expect me to do that? He may say yes, but don't give up on him. Just take the yes. 
No one knows how to do this. When their back is against the wall, they're covered in the muck of failure and they can't breathe because they're drowning in their own shame. But the way out of this is with love, compassion, insight, understanding, and recognition that you're in this for the marathon, not the race. So you are going to need to pull over every once in a while for a water break. You're going to need to pace yourself. You're going to need to take it slow. And my guess is because you're the one writing to me, because you're the one asking for help, you're the one with more gas in your tank than he has right now. So you're going to have to drive the car a little bit until he decides he's willing to take turns and ride shotgun for a little while and then take the wheel and let you take the brake. The two of you have to engage in this in a process. You want to lead with love. You want to make sure you understand him. And then you want to ask him if he's willing to participate. Your letter to me includes all the obstacles. It includes the fact that you haven't had date night. It includes that you have a couple of kids between the two of you. It includes that you don't have the money for therapy. You're clearly painting yourself into a corner right now, and you feel lost and hopeless. And I'm sure this letter to me was this last-ditch effort that somebody somewhere might be able to help you. So I want you to start turning the lens to see what's possible, to see where the two of you could get quiet time alone because you don't need money to have a date night. You don't need to go to a fancy restaurant. You don't need to spend a lot of money. You just need somebody who's willing to watch the kids so you can go off by yourself and walk in a park holding hands. You can, you know, ask for family help. You can ask friends help. You can ask anybody who happens to know or interact with your kids. You can ask, you know, parents of their friends. I want you to change the story of what you can't do because you don't have money. Because that's how your marriage is starting to crumble. You're looking at it with the scarcity mentality. You're looking at all the holes. You're seeing all the ways that things aren't possible. And absolutely, being able to have a therapist help and guide you through this process is paramount. But there are so many good relationship books out there. Um, you know, there's, you know, the, the, Sue Johnson is the first one that comes to mind. Um, she, if you look her up, Dr. Sue Johnson, she has incredible books that walk couples through how do you have the hard conversations. Um, you can do a search on male depression and you can find a lot of good, strong, well-informed writers. You can look up TED Talks um, and learn about Esther Perel or Esther Perel. <laughs> Esther is the U.S. way of saying it, but I just heard it corrected. And she's known as Esther Perel. Um, she has her own couples therapy podcast. Um, where shall we begin? Um, the two of you could start listening to that. Um, there's so many resources out there for couples who are willing to do the work. You can find the relationship guru that kind of speaks to you and you're going to find their book, their workbook, and you can get it at the library if you can't afford the book. But it becomes this idea of moving to the how. Now, I, I recognize that 
you found me through one of the articles I've written on relationships. And so you might not be as familiar with some of the lessons I teach people in business. So I'm just going to do a refresher here for you. But what I tell people is they have to get crystal clear on what they want. And right now you are crystal clear that you want you and your husband to reconnect, that you want your husband to be able to open up and talk to you about his feelings. And you want the two of you to be able to manage this on some level together. And your biggest fear come to life is that you're not going to be together at the end of this story. The obstacles you're facing are likely what sounds like his own depression, his own shame. The obstacle you're facing is money. And the other obstacle you're facing is that you guys are two years into this, so you're probably both pretty freaking tired and drained and worn and scared and feeling hopeless. So now you look at crystal clear what it is you want. You know what the obstacles are. And you make a decision together to power through and work around them and learn how to manage them. And that means finding a podcast that resonates with you, finding a television interview on YouTube that resonates with you, someone's book, someone's audible book. There are tons of resources for couples who want to find it together. It starts with the choice to do so together. And unfortunately, you can't move until he chooses to move with you. Once you have his buy-in, once he's decided to move forward with you in this journey, and he's agreed to get on the same page with you, and he's taken his turn, it really is time for you to take yours. And every time I'd walk people through this part of the process, they get so scared that their partner is simply going to run away again. And this is the part they try to skip dodge and avoid. This is the time when you need to let him know how his choices within your relationship have affected you, how you've been hurt, how your heart has been breaking, and how you've been scared. And everybody thinks that like, if you just rush at them with this list of ways they've been let down, they're just going to close the door, go away, and nothing's ever going to get better. And the temptation is to skip it. But if you skip it, that becomes a huge honking pile of crud that builds on top of resentment. Because this doesn't work if both people don't take their turn at sharing their hurts. My way of encouraging people to have this conversation is again through communicating transparently. To say to your husband, I love you. I'm in you with this. I want to help you heal. I hope you want to help me heal too. I need to share with you my hurts, the stories I've been telling myself, the reactions I've been having, the fears I've been holding. I'm wondering if you're willing and ready to hear those things. So many people, when they're complaining in a relationship, just start talking. They lead with their unmet needs. They lead with all of the things that they're dissatisfied with, and they attack, they attack, they attack. It's so much easier if you pave the way a little bit and you say to your spouse, I have something on my mind. Is now a good time? Would you be willing to listen? 
And again, it's that vulnerability, right? You're bumping right up against it and it's smashing you into the face and you want to run away from that because he might run away again. But the reality is, is that if somebody says to you, yes, I want to fix the marriage, but no, I don't want to hear about your hurts, you're in trouble. It doesn't work. It, it, it can't work. No matter how traumatized he is, no matter how bedridden with depression he is, no matter how hopeless, overwhelmed, scared, overwrought, fill in the blank he is, it will not work until he's willing to try to take care of you. He may be low on reserves and he may have no clue how to do it, but there are options. And him being willing is the first requirement. And then you can think about the burdens and the hurts you've been carrying that come with the most weight. You cannot pile on two years of hurts and slights and fears and scares and all of that in a single conversation. You would overwhelm the strongest person on the planet. You want to talk about the things that if he knew those things hurt, that if he would just stop doing those things or understand how your heart broke in that specific event, you would start to breathe yourself again. You would start to feel better again. That's where you want to start. And I encourage people when they're working with spouses who are depressed and upset and in that shame spiral, I really, really encourage them to only pick one or two things. I know your list is long. You have a two-year long list. But right now, what you need is to set your relationship up for success and him being able to listen to one hard thing, maybe two hard things, and to be able to hold that, own it, and help you heal from it is a sign that the two of you are ready and capable to take all the steps coming up next. If he can't do that one thing, then he needs to decide whether or not he's willing to get himself ready for that one thing. Because sometimes the answer to that question is, no, I can't hear your hurts right now, but I want to learn how to. And he can get himself help and get some guidance and make a choice that he would rather get help than risk losing you. Once the hurts have been shared, it's like airing the dirty laundry and you've dealt with it. It's out in the open and the challenge for both partners is to not keep bringing it up. And that is always my, my biggest flaw is that my husband tells me I have the memory of an elephant. I remember everything forever. So, um, things always keep coming up, but it, you want to air it and then move on. And then what's really important next, and not to, and when I say that, let me back up for a second. When I say move on, I'm not saying you're never talking about this again. The two of you have been disconnected for two years. You are going to be talking a lot, but these are the like the the foundation steps on how to get through to the other side and to get you guys to the next step. You have to reintroduce yourselves to each other. Because now that this has happened, and it has happened to both of you, it's happened differently to him, and it's happened differently to you, but this is something where life has hit your relationship in the gut, and you are recovering, and you're healing, you have to start to get to know one another again, because the things you used to need 
are no longer the things you needed. When you guys first met, you were sharing, you each had a kid and now you have a third kid in the story. So your needs just by that alone are going to be different. Now that the kids are getting older, now that you have two years of battered and bruises and war torn and life scars and all of that on top of it, you might need different things. So this is the time when I encourage both of you, and again, hopefully he's listening, but if he's not involved in this yet, like you have to get really clear with yourself about what you need going forward. And that might mean something as simple as a daily check-in. That might mean that you're touching one another again, you're hugging one another again, you're holding hands again, that you're making time for one-on-one -on -one time once a week depending on how the, each of you move through the world and where you're at on your, your paths of life and personal development, you're going to need different things. I can't, you know, realistically perceive what either of you would need, but you have to get in touch with those needs. And I want you to be crystal clear with yourselves. We're talking about needs here, not wants. Needs and relationships are simply non-negotiable. And when you're in a relationship with someone, you are by definition, agreeing to meet the needs of your partner. You may have different ways of getting there and you may have different routes and paths, but by definition, if somebody is telling you in order to function better in this world, in order to function in a more open way in this relationship, this is what I need. The partner needs to be able to be willing to do it. Because again, if you can't, you're at that crossroads and it's the crossroads you're so terrified of, which is why this conversation is so impossibly hard. But this is what life is. This is just real and it's hard and it's dirty and it's messy, but it's possible. You want to know what the other person's needs are and what it looks like when the needs are getting met so that you have a roadmap yourselves to operate from. So you know your own next move inside the relationship and what your partners might be. Next, you have to reintroduce yourselves as a couple a little bit. Your relationship has a new identity. Um, I mentioned Esther Perel earlier, and I am a huge fan of her work, and I really suggest you start with that. Um, but she says something about how the couples that last have two marriages under their belt, at least, but they're to each other. That we have our first marriage and our second marriage and our third marriage, and when we're lucky, they're with the same person. Because life happens and we go through things and we don't always show up as our perfectly uh, emotionally intelligent selves. Um, I always give the example in this, uh, in 2015, when my husband was sick, um, he was not the perfect patient and I was not the perfect caregiver. And at one point in time, I was yelling and screaming at the top of my lungs, I'm trying to save you so I can kill you myself. Um, that was in one of our marriages, right? <laughs> that wasn't the shiniest day. That wasn't the sparkliest moment. It was real and it was honest and it was filled with all of the authenticity, authenticity that comes with it. But that was one of our marriages. The past, you know, time with your husband being so hurt and stuck and frozen in his own feelings of shame and your reaction to that and your, you know, 
inability to communicate. And I say inability, not that you were inept, not that you didn't try your best, and not that he didn't try his best. But again, there's no rule book for this stuff. People need to go willing to look at the options and to go looking to find the answers because this isn't supposed to be intuitive. I've been a therapist for 20 years. That's why I can sort of prattle on about this, but it comes with experience and it comes with exposure. And the two of you didn't have a lot. So you know what your first marriage looked like. And that was probably the first four months when it was all good, shiny, and new. You know what your second marriage has been, filled with distance, silence, pain, hurt, and fears of being lost, stuck, and abandoned. You're on your third marriage now. So what do you want this to be like? Who do you want to be as a couple? What do you want your family to be like? What do you want the story to be? That's where the two of you go next. That's how it's possible. And then you move on and you, you, you go forth and you keep learning and you keep having these conversations. But it's crystal clear here that none of this can happen. None of this is possible without his buy-in. He has to decide to recover. He has to decide that he's worthy of a fresh start, even if he doesn't believe it yet. We can get him to the believing it part, but we got to get him to show up, to stand up, to get dressed, to be present, and to go at it. He might not be there, at which point you have to decide what your boundary is. Because it's so clear from your letter, you cannot keep going on like this. So you need to know where you end and he begins. And if he's unwilling or incapable of showing up in the way that you need, then it's time to have a clear, firm boundary. If you're not willing to get help, if you're not willing to live with and manage this event differently, I can't do this. And you own it. Rather than being afraid he's going to leave, rather than being afraid of the abandonment, it is crystal clear that you cannot go on. You would have to make the choice not to. My guess is part of him thinks you're going to leave. He might even be creating a self-fulfilling prophecy to get you there. But you have to own it. This is what I need. I'm really, really hoping you can show up for me. The lives of our kids depend on it. I love you. Our marriage depends on it. But if you can't, I'm incapable of doing any more for you than you're willing to do for yourself. And I, I know you wanted the, the magic eight ball. I know you wanted the crystal clear answer that maybe the Pollyanna, it's all going to be okay, the rainbows and the sunshine. And I do think you get there. And I do think it's possible. I also think you guys are doing real life right now. Nobody talks about this, but this is regular everyday marriage. And everybody's facing these different problems. It's how you talk about it that helps you get to the other side. I've gone on and on for a good while now, and I hope I haven't overwhelmed you with my response. This is complicated. You didn't ask an easy question, so my answer wasn't easy. But I really hope the two of you have heard the possibility here. I hope you've heard that this is a normal thing for couples to struggle with and to figure out and wrestle with, and that it comes down to better communication. It leads to better connection, and that leads to all the possibilities for repair. 
I hope this has helped. Thanks for joining me on this conversation today. If you have a question in your own life, in your own business that you'd like my two cents on, please do as this listener has and write to me at heather at choose to have it all.com. I'd really love to help. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon.